Hey, this is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. Would really like to thank you for taking time to check out our podcast, our Sunday sermons, and our Wednesday night Bible studies. You can always share this, download it, or even find it on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. You can also find out about our church service times. We have our Sunday service at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located in the Market Media Building. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Sweet C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's today's teaching. Uh, I entitled this, The God of Daniel is the Living God. The God of Daniel is the Living God. And so tonight, again, we're going to be finishing up the historical part of the book of Daniel. And uh, again, as we dive into the, a verse that we, we know very well, sometimes it's one of the things that's very troubling is when we think we know a verse and we don't pay attention to it, <laughs> right? Because oh, I already know that. I know that story. But I, I'm, I'm a firm believer the reason why we go through the Word of God on a daily basis is God reveals something new every time we go into His Word. And so um, that's what I'm hoping tonight. Now, as we dive into this, one of the things that we're going to see is, is we see this contrast of pride and then a life of purity. Uh, Daniel lived a life of purity, lived for the, the Lord, was purposeful in his relationship with God. And, and through, that, um, through that life, he has gone up against kings that were extremely prideful. And... and uh, we have a tendency we can be prideful too uh and so we there's a lot for us to learn from it we had uh, king nebuchadnezzar who was humbled and ended up you know coming to no faith and that was his testimony that we we read in in the chapter and and then we we had belchazar last or in our last chapter and belchazar didn't care you know he was partying until the handwriting was on the wall and 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 pride ended up doing him in and and so he was killed that same night uh as the uh you know as darius and and the medes came right through the euphrates they they turned the euphrates river around and they walked right into the city a city that they thought could never be broken into 20 years of provisions and and continual water but when god says it's done it's done it's it's done and so so we look at Daniel. Daniel, one of the things that I love about Daniel, he's uh, around 82 years old at this time. And, and one of the things I was thinking about as I was reading that is that verse in Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 through 18, a verse we're very familiar with. It says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and tri- uh, twisted generation. We're going to hear that this week in Mark chapter 9. That's uh, the same thing that Jesus says. Twisted generation. Among those you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. I am glad and rejoice with you all, 
Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. And so we see Daniel at the end of his life, he's going to be poured out here. And God is going to bless that, and he's going to get this amazing prophetic uh, end of time that's going to be revealed to him that, that correlates with the book of Revelation. Uh, and, and so when we dive into Daniel chapter 7, I'm going to have you have your, your tabs open for the book of Revelation because we're going to be bouncing back and forth between the two. If you, go to, if you go to any kind of Bible college, normally when you take uh, this portion of Scripture, you, you take the Revelation and theology or you take uh, Daniel, they, they pair them up and you learn them together. And so we're really going to be diving into that uh, next week, which will be a lot of fun. Uh, one of the things that we're going to see is there's been some argument about Darius. And we have a lot of um, theologians and uh, evangelical scholars that have a problem with the timeline. They have a problem with the name. Um, I believe that what God says in his word is inerrant. It's without error. Just because it hasn't been discovered, it will be. Uh, and and the, the funny part is there's different names for Darius. There, it actually means Lord uh, in, in Babylonian. And so it could have been a Lord. But we, we believe that the, the Darius that was there, he was kind of like a, uh, almost like Belshazzar. He was the second in command. So he was in charge of Babylon uh, at this time. And uh, so... One of the things we also learn about Daniel is we learn about Daniel's character. And this is something for us as Christians that we see is Daniel was a man that was consistent in his faith. He was consistent in his faith. He was faithful. There was no accusation to bring up against him except something that he did, which, which was praying. That was the only accusation they could find against him. Daniel was a man of conviction. He was a man with, with a conscience, and he was also, you remember, as a 14-year-old young man standing up after they had been taken captive. And he was a man of courage, a young, a young man of courage at that. And, and so there's much that we can learn from Daniel's character that we need for our own lives. And so as we dive into verse 1 here, it says, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom satraps, to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials, of one of whom uh, Daniel was one, to whom the satraps should give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. And so we know that the high king was King Cyrus, and he was still off battling and doing wars, and Darius was the stewardship and, and uh, handled the, the kingdom of Babylonian, uh, the Babylonian Empire here, and it's now the Medes and Persians uh, that took over. Uh, and, and one of the things that, that we see is Daniel was one of the ones that were put in place uh, to be a, uh, a high official out of the three of them. It says here in verse 3, it says, Then, the, this, uh, then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because, uh, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king uh, planned to set him over the whole kingdom. And so Daniel had risen above everyone. He was distinguished above everyone else. And his spiritual life was, one of the things I love about Daniel is his spiritual life wasn't an afterthought. It was at the forefront of his life. That's one of the things that we see. Like for us, 
God needs to be the, the first thing in our life. It needs to be the first thing in our day. What we see is Daniel had three times a day that he would have specifically for prayer. Uh, I would hate to say that most of us, because I know if you have issues with prayer, you're going to have issues with it because Sunday we're going to be dealing with prayer too. And I believe when God, this is not Mike, because Mike could never line this stuff up. This is the Lord. Daniel chapter 6, Mark chapter 9, what are the disciples were supposed to do? They were supposed to be praying and fasting to cast out the demon. And we're going to see that in this chapter that Daniel was a man of prayer and we should be men and women of prayer. And, and I can tell you right now, one of the things we need prayer for is this event on April 2nd and 3rd. We had a little, few little victories and then we hit some roadblocks this week. The enemy doesn't want the thing to happen. But I was like, we need to be, we need to be a church that prays. We need to be praying for the event, praying for the financing, praying for the, uh, just all the little things, the coordination things that have to, that have to happen. And, and, and so, you know, for, for Daniel, that was, that was at the forefront of his life, God. And it should be for us too. Go back to Daniel chapter 1, verses 12 through 17. I, it reminds me, you know, as we just look at Daniel's life, and, and this is a testimony of who Daniel was. Because it says that Daniel, in, in verse 3 of Daniel 6, it says that Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because of an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to send him over the whole kingdom. And when we look at Daniel chapter 1, verse 12, it says, Test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and, and the appearance of the, uh, of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you. And deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to, this, uh, to them in this matter. And he tested them for ten days. And at the end of the ten days it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and wine. And they were uh, to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four youths, God gave them learning. And this is important. God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. And so one of the things we see is this is a young man who, who's in his teens in Daniel chapter 1, and now he's here at 80, and nothing's changed. He's still the same, same man. What, what a testimony. Wouldn't, wouldn't you like to be at 80 years old? And they go, man, that guy is a man of faith. I remember when he was young. How many people do we know like that nowadays? We see so many people fall away in their, in their later part of their life. They get pulled away. And, and it's a reminder to us that your, your, your faith needs to stay with you throughout your life. It's something that has to be, again, just be in the forefront of your mind. I love Daniel because Daniel lived with integrity. Oh, we need integrity today. Right? In every aspect of our government, and <laughs> in every aspect of our, in our communities, in our schools, we see people that have no integrity. And yet they're leading. 
And living in integrity should be a part of our, our everyday life. And Colossians chapter 3, verse 17 says, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to, the, to the God, through, uh, God the Father through Him. And whatever you do, everything. We finish up in that, that little verse in Daniel chapter 1, verse 20. It says, In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. One of the things I love about them is they didn't adapt to the culture. The culture, they changed the culture. Too many Christians are trying to adapt to the culture and not change the culture. If we walk in integrity, we change the culture. We follow God. We seek God's purpose in our lives daily. He practiced this, and that, that was something that Daniel did. He was a seeker of God every day. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 30 and 33, it says, But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the, into the oven, will He not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Jesus tells us, You want to have a life like Daniel? Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. It, it, it's a, a reminder to us, is, are we seeking God's kingdom first before we make decisions in our lives? Are we just jumping in head first? Are we, are we waiting for the Spirit to lead? That's why, you know, for me, I, I, as a pastor and as a, as a father and a husband, I have to lead my family. And so I have to seek first the kingdom of God. And let me tell you, when I'm not doing that, life gets rough. It gets tough. And it affects every other area. And see, what happens is a lot of times what, what people do is they use God like a spare tire. They only pull them out when they need them. I got an emergency. Let me get God. And that's not how this works. It's a relationship. And so we, we have a, a standard of righteousness that we are to be pursuing. And yet, we see so many people that, that are in the body of Christ that don't do that. Right? Verse 4 of Daniel 6 says, Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. You know, this is the reality in, in the workplace today. I wonder how many Christians could we say that today? <laughs> right? Uh, he's faithful and there's no error and no fault found in him in any of the work he does. You got people stealing time. Supposed to be back. I take a two-hour lunch. You're only supposed to have an hour lunch, and you're a Christian. Are you faithful in what, what, what you're supposed to be doing? Because other people are watching you. 
They're looking at you. They're wanting to see, hey, is, that, is he really going to do what he says he's going to do? And Daniel was faithful. And yet, the people that were complaining against him were what? Jealous. Envious. And so they start looking for something to bring a complaint against them and take it to the king. And guess what? If you're a Christian, guess what they're doing at your workplace? They're looking for something. They're looking for something to throw in your face. To say, look, you remember you said you were a Christian? Look what you did. You know what? And that's what God's grace is for. We mess up. We, we need to let them know, you know what? I messed up, dude. I need to get right with God. And I need to do what's, what's the right thing here. You know? Because I always tell you all, there's grace for the journey. And you also have to extend that grace to other people. We need to remember when we're dealing with people that are jealous and envious, you know, God gives us two comparisons, and I've given you all this before in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 26. And we know what the difference between the flesh is and the spirit. And I love that contrast because it's no different than the pride in living a life in the spirit. Because when you're in your pride, you're in your flesh. It says in, in verse uh, 19 of chapter, Galatians chapter 5, it says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and all these things like this. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. That's what these guys are doing. They're like, man, Daniel shouldn't have that position. We should have that position. And so they start looking for something to catch them with. And they, this happens even in the church, sadly. Because they... I want to, they have a, they look at churches, I need that position and it's going to put me to this position and that position to this, and that's not how it works, you're called. It's a calling that you have on your life. And yet we see such a contrast between the flesh and the spirit. And when we're living in the flesh, we know it. The Holy Spirit lets you know. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, then man, the Holy Spirit will let you know. Verse 5 of Daniel chapter 6, it says, Then these, uh, then these men said, Why, uh, We shall not find any ground for complaint against, Dan against Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. So they found nothing. And so now they're going to have to go to his relationship with God. The only thing that we can connect to him is his relationship with God. Man, what an awesome testimony, right, for Daniel. The only thing they could find is like, God. That's the only thing that we can set them up with. And that's the testimony of Daniel's life. 
Daniel had a pure life. It was, uh, was pursuing God. He was faithful in prayer. He loved God. And the thing that they're going to find out is that he was pur- purposeful in prayer, but he was also purposeful in being truth, in his truth and in the Word, and his relationship with God. And so now the, they're going to try to set him up in verse 6. It says, Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. So here they go. They're buttering him up, right? They're manip- and we're going to talk about this. This is manipulation. All the high officials of the kingdom, the uh, prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors agreed are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. So they appeal to Darius's pride. You should be Lord. They should worship you. And he goes, that sounds good, right? They appeal to his pride. They're, they're using manipulation. And it's crazy because they, they, they only gonna, you're only going to be a god for 30 days. That's for whatever reason. That's what they came up with, right? Because what did King Nebuchadnezzar want? Forever. Right? But they're like, Darius, you're going to... Because he, remember, he's, he's the under-servant of King Cyrus. And so they used manipulation. And, a, and, and manipulation, remember, is lying. It's a sin. Manipulation, when you try to manipulate somebody, it's a form of lying. It's, it's a sin. In John chapter 8, verse 44, it says, You are the father, the devil, uh, and your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth, in the truth, but because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out his own character, for he is a liar and the father of of lies in Matthew chapter 7 verse 15 beware false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves and sometimes when people are buttering you up you need to take a step back and pray about whatever it is they're asking you to do is because is this coming from God or are they just trying to get me to do this thing right and and at the end of the day it's it's we're, we, it's easy to appeal to people's pride right verse 8 says now O king establish the injunction and sign the document so that it can be uh, cannot be changed according to the laws of the Medes and the Persians which cannot be revoked so he's asking them to, to sign the, the um, this into law now remember this is uh, Nebuchadnezzar was king over everything he ruled everything he was a monarchy but Darius is actually uh, King Darius is actually, he has governors beneath him, and they vote. They have a constitutional, uh, you know, a constitutional monarchy. So when he signs this into law, he can't change it. And they know that without the votes. They appeal to his, his, uh, his nature, and then he signs it. And, and that was the plan from the very beginning. And it says in verse, verse 9, Therefore King Darius signed the document and, and, and injunction. So the king signs it. Verse 10, When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went uh, to his house where he had windows and his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. 
as he had done previously. Now, very easily, Daniel could have closed his windows, right? But he's not changing anything. This is how I prayed yesterday. This is how I'm going to pray today, right? And, and so he, he's going to continue doing what, it, what God is calling him to do, to spend that time in prayer every day. And so he's, he's not going to bow down to the law. Right? And, and we know in Acts chapter 5, verse 29, it says, but, but Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. And we know there are going to be times when that has to happen. And, and I've, I've told you all before that it has to be a conviction from God. God has to give you a conviction of saying, I can't do this because it goes against the will of God. Now, we had pastors, and this is something I, I think a lot of people don't know. We had pastors in California that kept their churches open, but they weren't on the news. They just went ahead and did business as they did business. But then there were certain counties that were harder, and they actually had people go out to the churches, police, to make sure that they were operating. And so some pastors had to actually say something. Um, and, and so, you know, the conviction of that pastor was, I need to, we need to meet. God's given me the conviction that we need to come together, especially in the time that we're in. And so a million dollars later and fines and fees and almost losing their building because the, the loan was going to be taken away, that all got overturned. And, and so that was the conviction that he had. You know, for us, I think one of the things that we have is Daniel's very humble in his attitude here. It, just because you have a conviction from God doesn't mean you need to go and, and, and get prideful and flaunt it to everybody. You just do what God's calling you to do, right? And, and that's, that's one of the things that I think about. You know, Daniel's praying for the children of Israel. Remember, they had been in exile. They lost their land because they didn't do what? They didn't give the land rest. And God finally answered and said, okay, you're, you're going to be judged for this. And, and so Daniel's praying for the children of Israel, for their exile, and for the nation. And I think to myself all the time, I hear people complain about our nation all the time, but how many, how many of us are spending three times a day praying for it? Seriously. Do you know that every major revival began with prayer? It was prayer warriors. I hear people all the time saying, I want to see revival. Are you praying for it? Because that's where it's going to, you, you fight those battles on your knees. You got you to gotta spend time praying for it. We need to be praying for our country. It, 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 there's a lot of stuff going on. A lot of, it, there's never been such a contrast in our country of dark and light. 